Raw Ag is your link to the food chain, and every episode will take you somewhere along that chain. From conception to consumption, you'll hear from the pioneers and innovators in Australian agriculture with industry news, unique views and presentations. We can all be better farmers, regenerative, profitable and innovative. And we can all be more informed and aware consumers. And Raw Ag, brought to you by Tamania Angus and Ace Radio, is your next big step in that direction. We are excited to be back and bring you the second series of the Raw Ag podcast. Our first guest is Alison Kennedy. Alison is dedicated to farmer mental health and suicide prevention. This is a heavy topic and it needs an expert. Welcome to the uh, Raw Ag podcast, Alison. And um, what brings you down to Warrnambool? Well, Tom, um, talking to you is one of those reasons. Yes. Um, but, yeah, certainly when I'm on the road, I'll be meeting with um, some people from the place-based suicide prevention leadership group. Yep. Um, heading out to Deakin Uni for some research conversations. Um, so, yeah, making a day of it. Yeah, and Alison, whereabouts are you from? Where, where do you hail from originally? Well, originally, Tom, I, I grew up in, in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne when it was still kind of verging on bush, um, and I've gradually moved out over, over time uh, further and further and have ended up um, out in Bacara, which is sort of about 10 k's out of Hamilton in the southwest. Yeah. And I see that you've um, been up to New England to university, studied up there? I did study up at the University of New England, um, but I studied as an external student, so I was still, you know, based at the National Centre for Family right. Health uh, while I was studying, which was, you know, kind of a, a great combination, really. Okay, so, um, and what sort of studies have you done to get yourself um, now leading up um, Steering Straight? Well, way back in the day, Tom, I... <laughs> I studied behavioural science at, at uni and then I went and did kind of a whole lot of other things including horticulture and I ran a garden centre for a while. Um, so it, it took me a while to come back to research and mental health um, but I think you know everything that I did through those years including some work in adolescent welfare it really contributed to who I am today and, and my passions for today. Um, so it was only, I started my PhD in 2012, um, so you know it's not so long ago that I've come back to, to research and to suicide prevention specifically. Yeah, so your passion, you mentioned your passions, um, and can you describe to me what your, you know, what really gets you out of bed? Oh, um, people, I think. Um, you know, I love to I love to work with people. I love to actually draw on the passions of other people as well. Um, I always see myself as a really great listener. Um, so to be able to to draw on other people's experience in in order to kind of drive, you know, suicide prevention, um, pharma health more broadly. Uh, that that's kind of where my passion lies. It's really really with the people. So why are farmers so specifically susceptible to um, mental health issues and perhaps suicide? A farmer dies by suicide every 10 days, um, which is 60% higher than the normal population. Um, it's, um, why, why is it that farmers are, are, seem to be so much more susceptible? Mm. 
I, I don't think there's ever any easy answer, Tom. Um, each individual death is always, you know, quite unique. There's a, a whole range of complex things that might contribute to that. Um, but I guess in farming populations, we see there's a kind of certain situational risk factors um, that people are exposed to. So people are often geographically isolated, so they have less access to, to services. And, you know, in some areas we see services continuing to shrink. Um, that geographic isolation is often kind of con contributes to some social isolation as well. Um, and we see farms getting bigger, we see them getting more mechanised, there's less people around. Um, and we are social creatures, you know, that's such so important for us to be connected to other people. Um, and you know, when, when people are on their own, it can be a tendency to kind of focus on some of the challenges that they're experiencing. So, you know, they might be ruminating and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then there's the, you know, the whole, the whole issue of, um, dare I say it, you know, climate change and the, and the things that are associated with that. So those extreme climatic events we see, we see and hear about yeah, lots okay. of, you know, droughts, floods, bushfires. So, so is that about, you know, having a plan and having it changing direction and having, and then, and then the anxiety over... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think a no, lot a little bit that, about that. Yeah, yeah I imagine <laughs> you do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of that... Um, that inherited knowledge, I think, may not be as as useful to us now because things are changing so quickly. There are so many other external pressures that are happening, lots more that feels to be out of our control. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's particularly an issue with younger farmers, you know, just coming into the industry. They've got a long career ahead of them and a lot of uncertainty that goes along with that. So, um, you know, we see quite a lot of kind of distress in that younger population as well. So su suicide rates tend to be going up in society. Is that correct? Or are we just reporting, are we just diagnosing it now? Yeah, I think I think what we, what we see is better reporting. So, you know, higher quality data collection and, and reporting. It is also something that does catch the you know, it, it catches the eye of media. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, when something happens, it's talked about sa similarly in community. Um, you know, that talk happens and, you know, the it, it's it's an issue that gets a lot of, a lot of uh, talk, I guess. Too. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, perhaps in past um, generations, you know, Victorian times, mm -hmm. um, suicide was a bit of a thing that you didn't discuss. That's right. Yeah, I've... I've often heard people talk about suicides you know in the past in their family and you know things that were swept under the rug and never spoken about yeah um, children that really you know for decades didn't know that a grandparent had had died by suicide because it just wasn't talked about so if if there is an increase and I'm, we're not perhaps sure if there is mm. are there other things that are going on in our social in our society now that um are particularly more difficult for people to um, manoeuvre through mental health issues or, you know? Well, I guess certainly, you know, we, they, we have an expectation that people should be able to find a support service to help them when they are experiencing distress. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in our rural communities, we really, you know, our support services are, are really lacking. Um, there's not a lot of them. You know, and people often t often struggle to find 
somewhere that they can access, you know, within a timely period. You might be able to make an appointment for six or eight weeks down the track. Yeah. Um, but that's not always going to be helpful for people. What's also important, I think, is that with those support services, if they're not delivered by people that understand kind of life and work in a, in a farming community, they're often not able to develop a rapport with a person. And, and that's so important when people seek support. So I often hear from people who say, oh, you know, no, I, I tried that support. I, I went to see a psychologist. They had no idea what I was talking about. Um, you know, I felt I had to kind of constantly explain myself and um, I'm not going back. And does that happen with the GP too? Because we know in um, rural communities a lot of GPs are being parachuted in from other um, cultures perhaps even. Um, is that a problem? Is that an issue for the GP to be able to... Yeah, I think it can be um, that GPs don't necessarily have an understanding of the communities they're working with. I also think we have a big, very big expectation on our yeah. GPs. Um, not everybody is either has a mental health um, interest or particular expertise in mental health. So it's really important, I think, when you go to see a GP ab about um, your mental health that you find out somebody that actually has an interest in that area when you're making an appointment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So... Um, Steering straight, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? To yeah, for sure, Tom. Um, so I, I guess it's Steering Straight was developed uh, as part of the uh, suicide place-based trials in the Great South Coast. Um, and it was really a way of addressing prevention rather than waiting for people to get to that crisis point where mm -hmm. they might be struggling to, to find support and, and access support. This is about prevention. This is about putting some strategies in place um, for, you know, to alert people, I guess, to, to some trigger events that might be happening and to put some plans in place to manage challenging times. Um, so it's a it's a pretty simple resource. It's about a kind of a four-page document. We found it generally takes people about 20 minutes or so to fill out, but it just provides you with an opportunity to kind of stop, take some time, reflect on um, how you experience stress and, you know, whether it be some of those physical or those emotional warning signs that we know things are getting a bit stressed. Mm -hmm. um, also helps you identify some of the things that improve your mood. Um, so things right. that you can okay. do when you're feeling a bit stressed, you know, that, that no make you feel good because that's really important as well to kind of schedule stuff in your day that you know makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and then it also helps you identify, okay, what are the things in, you know, coming up for me that I know are going to be challenging? You know, whether that's, you know, the cropping season's coming up or uh, whether you've got a, a, a bout of shearing about to happen and what things can you put in place to plan out for that. So let's break this big task up into yep. kind of small, uh, more manageable tasks and it all gets written down so that if you're, you know, in a bit of a tough spot, you've got it written down, you can go back to it, you can refer to it. Um, it also then provides you an opportunity to list some of the people that you know you can call on for certain things you know when we're when we're stressed often those kind of automatic responses and the the phone number of this person <laughs> doesn't or, or you know come to mind straight away so again you've got it all written down there in front of you yeah 
that might be a friend or a neighbour, or it might be um, you know someone that you that doesn't work with with you for finances. It can be an agronomist, it can be a vet, whoever. So uh, inch by inch, is, it's a cinch came to my mind yeah. when you were saying that, <laughs> which is an old uh, term, um, which actually really and and you were talking about, uh, and I know that I personally don't you know sometimes get overwhelmed mm. with a task coming particularly when you haven't actually finished the previous one yep. and uh, <laughs> and you have social commitments and all sorts of things are going on it, it does uh, mount up on all of us doesn't it it does it does and I think some of those things often just keep ticking away and playing on the back of our mind um, and that kind of disturbs our whole sort of thinking process as well so if we're able to kind of take it out of the back of our brain and put it down on a bit of paper it just makes it you know easier to deal with sometimes and so then that document is or that bit of paper is not just used for you personally it, it has other it's a something that you can then take to, to the next level well I guess you could take it you could use it for a whole range of purposes mm-hmm. um, so you know it might be something that you do take to your GP um, with you, you know, if you if you're needing a bit of support with your mental health to show, you know, some of the plans you've got in place, but also to help explain some of the triggers for you, mm. um, and some of what you're recognising in your own behaviour and your own physical health that might, you know, help your GP understand, um, you know, what you're experiencing. So certainly, it can be used for that. Um, it can be used as as a tool within the workplace too. You know, if you're kind of working with other people in a team um, you know that that whole process of breaking down a bigger task that document can be used to inform that sort of process yeah um, and it's something that you can just you can have in the in the glove box in the ute you can have in the farm office you can refer to it you can change it um, you know we've got hard this sort of hard copy versions and, and digital versions so it's you know think of it as a working document yeah okay all right, and so the, you know these um, things that we're talking about are the, you know, pretty much the fundamental keys to what um, creates um, a mental health issue, which can lead lead to um, someone taking their own life. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, contributing factors, and that, and that's the that's the thing that I think we need to remember that it's never just one single thing that yes. leads someone to take their own life. It's a whole series of things. So if we can chip away. Um, and and put some prevention mechanisms in before you know to stop people from getting to that crisis point. It's really yeah, and important. and I suppose there's different characters involved in this as well. Um, some sure. some people's attention to detail perhaps is drives them to um, uh, to a situation where the, these things manifest into mm. more of a problem than perhaps people that don't have such an attention to detail. Um, you know, how do people perhaps um, diagnose? Is there any ways of people diagnosing themselves as whether they, sh- you know, they're they're particularly susceptible? Oh, that's a good question, Tom. I mean, um, <laughs> I guess it's a from from my perspective, it's a you know having a, a level of self awareness is really important, but unless you've actually taken the time to reflect in order to develop that self-awareness, that might be really hard for yeah. people to recognise as well. So I think mm-hmm. the steering straight tool actually, it, it provides people with that space to reflect as well yeah, so and some can... prompts really to start thinking about that. 
All right, Alison, um, could we just go back perhaps and have a little look at why, how this started, um, where, the, where the idea and the thought came from to, um, for, for Steering Straight? Sure, absolutely, Tom. Um, so this, the Steering Straight plan, it actually originally, the, the original plan came from um, a concept called safety planning. And safety planning is a process that's used with people who have already um, attempted suicide. Right, okay. So it's a way of them being able to um, to put a plan in place. It's, it's kind of a, a, a risk management plan, I guess, so that once they're, once they're back out in, into community, um, they've got a plan of being able to identify their triggers um, and then also kind of identify their support networks and what they need to do next. Um, so we thought this is something right? absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely this is something we all need our own personal safety plans mm-hmm. um, and let's look at this as a way of preventing people from attempting to take their own life bef- you know before before that point let's yeah. let's get in early okay so and and then and so can you give us some ideas of you know how the process and how um, you can pull the uh, or give the questions to people that they need to be asked to get this format in place for them. Yeah, sure. So, um, Tom, we worked with a, a group of farmers, health professionals and researchers to be able to create this document. So it really has been tailored very much to uh, life and work in a, in a farming community, um, you know, from the sorts of examples that are used right through to kind of the design and the language that's used as part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really important for us to make it relevant to the audience, you know, to, to our farming communities. And so the questions um, about planning have to be mm-hmm. around livestock and they have to be fodder and fodder reserve and things like that. Yeah, so all sorts of things. So. Um, Maybe if I take you through yeah. a, a list of or so, some of the examples of the sorts of things that, that are in the plan, um, that'll help flesh that out a little bit. So yeah. the, first, the first section in the plan is about taking stock. So it's really about what signs are you looking for in yourself that your um, stress levels are rising. Um, so it looks at um, aspects of your work and your life. Uh, and it's simple. It's, you know, it provides you kind of with a tick box um, so you don't have to, to think too deeply about it. There's lots of prompts on the way. Um, it also t- you know, taps into your thoughts. You know, do you have racing thoughts? Have you got difficulty making decisions? You know, we know on farm people are expected to be making decisions, you know, very rapidly and, um, you know, short-term and long-term decisions. So is that is that a tricky thing at the moment? And we look at sleep and energy. We know that's really critical to people's mental health. Um, particularly, you know, we think of harvest period when you know, people are fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, that has a big bearing on mental health. We look at um, signs within your body, so some of those physical symptoms. You know, you're getting chronic headaches, you've got, you know, really um, bad muscle aches and things like that, gut problems. All of that can contribute or be a sign, I guess, that you're experiencing a stressful time. And then your emotions. You know, are you quick to anger? Are you short-tempered? Um, you know, struggling to communicate within that within your family business. So mm-hmm. it just really, I guess, prompts you to think about your your behaviours and your responses at that time. And I suppose um, 
again, you know, all of us feel those things from time to time. They come and go as anxiety goes up and down in our lives. Absolutely. And and I guess the plan actually refers to that, Tom. So it, it actually says that it's okay to experience the, yeah, that's the right. change of the <laughs> so changes. So don't get anxious about being anxious. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's <laughs> absolutely right. And and we probably should reinforce, you know, that a bit of stress is not a bad thing. You know, stress mm. in and of itself is not bad. Um, a bit of stress keeps us on our toes. It helps us, you know, stay motivated and reach those goals. Yeah. But it really, it's when it starts to be prolonged and to be heightened for a, a longer period of time and influence our, our overall performance in life yeah. um, that it really becomes difficult. So that's kind of what we're tapping into here. I feel like I need to go home and fill it out straight away, actually. <laughs> so just so, for my own um, personal growth, you know, and, and that's what the idea is, so that people are um, um, well and truly, I suppose, um, your challenge is to get people to fill it out, you know, right at the early stages where, you know, and I know farmers, I'll, she'll be right, I'll toughen up and get through this. Um, that's probably at the stage where you should be filling this out. Isn't that's it? very true. That's very true. And I think what we've actually done now um, is we've included this plan within our managing stress on the farm booklet. Now, this booklet has over the you know the last few years, it's it's just gained a life of its own. It's been a really, really popular book. Uh, I think we've printed kind of over 45,000 copies now and it's also available um, on our website in a digital format. But it's one of those booklets that people will pick up. It'll sit on the kitchen bench. It'll sit on the, you know, the desk in the office and it's just regularly kind of flicked through and you might pick a page or something to read. It's just really practically focused. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think with having that plan within this book, it just makes it um, just that little bit more easy, I guess. It's it's there. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. It's relevant. It's all about, you know, people in farming communities. Sounds great. Really good, Alison. That's very clever of you to, you know, bring something that is a known um, cure and turn it into a prevention. That's, mm. And I suppose that's that's very neat, the way that you've managed to do that. Why in farming, and I suppose it's all through society, surrendering to anxiety tends to be something that's really difficult. Not what I mean in surrendering is in admitting and mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to go and get help. It, it, it takes a lot to get someone to move from that from being anxious to actually doing something about it. Why? What's what's the catch there? Well, I think there's still, even though we're talking about mental health a lot more, there is still that stigma mm-hmm. about getting help um, and seeking support. Um, I, I think in many ways, you know, we've become very good at it in other aspects of our lives, you know, so we really need to kind of look at it a bit differently, I think. You know, farmers are great at at calling in the agronomist, calling in the vet, um, yeah. you know, calling in your, your accountant or your financial planner. We need to think of, you know, looking after our own health as just as important as that. Um, yeah. People are the number one asset in farming businesses, yet, you know, they don't tend to, the health of the people tends to be less of a priority than the health of the farming business. When I think of physical health, 
it conjures up positive images mm. you know my video department my brain pulls up you know people that have you know fit and strong yep. and muscular and um you know well uh, and obviously you know football players there and that's positive physical health but as as soon as um the word mental health's mentioned you tend to pull up negative images mm. um and 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 it, it is really strange. It's how, so how do we get these positive in images to roll into our head rather than, than negative ones? And would that be a help? Absolutely. And I think that's also incorporated in the, in the plan. Um, you know, it talks about what are, the, what are the things that we can do to support our well-being. So what do I do to reset to make me feel better when I have had a you know a difficult time, so it is it is all about it's about training too. You know we think yeah. about you bring up those sporting images. Um, yeah. It's similarly with our mental health. It's actually about making time and making and putting effort in to looking after our mental health. It's it ju- takes just as much effort to do that as it does to look after our physical health. Yeah, I mean the reason I sort of brought that up is because you know we've got to be careful what we. What, what we wish for in life, don't we? And you know, if in in many in, an affirmation in our mind about physical health being positive and mental health being negative, then you know, by accident, we mm. can turn ourselves into those things, can't we? Yeah, very true, very true. Yeah. The mind works in mysterious, mysterious. ways. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, but often, you know, o- I think often when we are stressed, we tend to forget or you know deprioritize the things that are really important that are not they're not that difficult they're not rocket science Mm. um you know we need to make sure that we're prioritizing things that support our mental health so we've we've got to you know make sure we have a good sleep routine as much as we possibly can um we've got to get some physical activity which is also supporting of our mental health we've got to actually schedule time in our day to do things that we enjoy Mm. Um, there's some really strong evidence around um, understanding our mood and also to be able to based on that to be able to schedule in activities in our day that boosts our mood generally life is almost overwhelming because it actually is Mm. Um, are there any tools that you know that we need to come up with for farmers to actually get out of you know make um, a quantum change in their way, in the way they function? Mm. Yes, um, and I think this this actually making the commitment to complete something like this and to chip away at at the things that you've actually said you're going to do mm-hmm. is you know the first way to start that. Yeah. Um, I don't we can't we can't expect everybody to be able to kind of make a 180 degree change. No no, I so, don't I, yeah, but So but but it is about it is about putting in small changes, Tom. It's you know, we talk about smart goals. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, these these are the small changes that we can see recognizable difference in a, a you know, a fairly short period of time. Yeah. Break it down just small things. And it, and it may be, you know, organizing to have a hit of golf with somebody um it might be sitting for half an hour and listening to a fantastic piece of music that really boosts your mood yeah um it could be you know getting out kicking the footy with the kids um 
you know, taking the dog for a walk. It's just just simple things that we need to build into our life that actually bring us pleasure and joy. Yeah, our fa- our family's been doing work recently with a fellow called Alan Parker, who's um, a negotiator, and and he talks about peripheral vision, opening your um, aspect up. This is in a negotiation sense in a mm-hmm. room, but he talks about what it does if you're actually walking outside and you notice it, trying to notice everything and how it opens your mind up and clears what might be, you know, a very very fine focal mm. point and it, make, it makes that vanish for a while which um, which you know like I've sort of been practicing a bit um, and, and finding it really really refreshing do, do you know much about you know all clean you know that sort of yeah. approach yeah so, so I guess it's a, it's a matter of um, trying not to focus too much always on the on the problem at hand yeah mm. And some of that's also, you know, another technique that's a bit similar to that could be around, you know, what am I going to be thinking about this? Is this still going to be a problem in five years' time or in six months' time? And then you start to get a bit of perspective, I guess. And that's the same thing, you know, with the peripheral vision, just just trying to take some perspective on a problem. That that sort of physical thing, taking a physical approach to something changes the way you think. Yeah. Um, psychologically or mentally, which is um, quite fascinating, mm. and I suppose that relationship occurs in physical health and mental health. There's a, there's definitely a relationship there, isn't there? Well, oh, you, you can't you can't pull mental health and physical health apart. They are so tightly entwined. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, mm. really, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's very unexplainable, is. isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of science going into it, but there's still a lot of mystery there yeah, as yeah. well. <laughs> If we were so simple, we could understand ourselves. We <laughs> Too true. We could <laughs> we, fix we, all the problems. We'd be so simple, we could not. Well, Alison, um, you know, you probably, in the conversation, you're probably really realising already that I'm pretty well practised at getting a bit <laughs> stressed myself. So can you give us some examples of, you know, how, um, you know, uh, how steering straight can um, be adopted and help farmers? Yep, no problem. Um, so I guess one of, a good example is the question that, um, taps into you know what what's ahead of me um, so we know we talked about smart goals and and sort of breaking things down a big a big task down mm-hmm. into to smaller goals um, so I guess if you think from a, a farming perspective um, you know what is coming up what's coming up that you can plan for um, what positive um, changes can you include in your life to be able to manage that so um, you know you might want to use a, a smart goal template, which is included in the plan to help you break that down. So, you know, today you might have a small goal to, to you know, walk from rather than ride in the, in the ute um, or drive in the ute, you might walk yeah, um, yeah, to yeah. open the gates or something along those lines. Um, and then, uh, like if you look at a kind of a six-month plan you might be wanting to prepare for shearing something like that so how knowing that that's six months in advance what are the things that you can put in place to to kind of prepare for that so that it's not too overwhelming at the last minute I mean I think we all would admit that there are things uh, associated with shearing that we can't necessarily control mm-hmm. but there are also things that we can control definitely yeah, yeah we can make sure that we've got the, the shearing crew booked in it, yeah down. exactly whatever. Yeah. yes yes <laughs> 
got all the equipment serviced. Yeah. Um, you know, the wool press we know is <laughs> is going to be working and you're not going to have some sort of hydraulic failure. Um, so all of that preparation, I guess, um, you know, is kind of what's built into to the plan so that you can, you can um, plan that out, um, you can tick that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a real sense of achievement too in being able yes. to just tick things off. If you've got a list of things you need to achieve to get to a bigger goal, and then can kind of tick them off along the way. And, really and that ticking off, how good is that for mental health, oh, really? It's, that is it's so way good. better than just tick the tick, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a real psychological boost to being able to to see that you've achieved something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always a big one for, for making lists and even putting the things on, on your list that you know, you you either may have already achieved, or it's a it's a no brainer. You know. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, yeah. I find it myself. I know that you tick something off. It's actually a happy moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there's plenty of plenty of spots that you can tick things off as part of the plan as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of yeah. ticks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's you know also the kind of the section about um, who's in your network that you can talk to. Um, so, you know, that also includes your professional network as well. So yep. we're not just talking about your personal network that you can, um, you know, tap into, but it's those professionals as well. Um, well, I, you know, I know actually that uh, vets carry a fair bit of this burden. Well, not burden, perhaps they, uh, but they do hear a lot about from farmers that need help. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, is there any things we can do there to... In, in the industry to train, even train vets at being better at... Funny that you say that, actually, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've got enough training. Them. The poor vets, they, I, I, I absolutely adore um, large animal vets. I think they're chipped off the same block somewhere. I don't know that they're yeah, quite I amazing think, people. I think all of those trusted advisors have an incredible role to play, um, professionally, but also personally in the way that they um that there's a i guess there's almost an expectation that they support farmers it just kind of comes with the role Mm -hmm. um but like you say um you know not everyone has been trained um or really has the skills to do that so that's actually another another piece of work we're planning at at the center is to i guess better understand um trusted advisors exposure to those situations and figuring out kind of what are the sorts of skills that we need to to give them to be able to do that and it's not about creating counselors it's about empowering people to do their job the best in the best way that they can but then also knowing who else they can call on mm-hmm. or who they can refer people to to take to take it to that next level and as kind of gatekeepers, I guess those trusted advisors have a real insight into what farmers are experiencing, um, may very well be able to support them by by referring them to the Steering Straight Plan, um, but also to be able to tap into those support resources that are, that are available out there. Yeah, so I suppose one of the most important things, if you come across a situation like that, is just to listen first, isn't it? Oh, listening is it's a huge a huge part of that um never underestimate the power of just having a conversation with somebody 
to really make a big difference to their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work that I did through my PhD was talking to people who had been bereaved by either a suicide or an accidental death. Uh, and many of them had not spoken about that for decades. Yeah. Uh, and so they give just giving people the opportunity to tell you about their experience, how they, you know, how they've been getting through that, the troubles that they've been experiencing. Just being able to talk about that is really beneficial for people. So that does the listening involve a few very gentle, bit of gentle questioning? Certainly can. Yeah, yeah. It certainly can. And we, we see when people are, I guess, in a distressed state as well. When they are kind of telling you what's happening, it's not always super clear, you know. So sometimes we do have to sort of just ask some questions mm. um, to, to flesh that out and to understand that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, that, that whole kind of concept of active listening is really important. Yeah, obviously the... Mm. the act of acknowledging what they were saying mm. and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And trying to do that, I guess, without without saying, oh, yeah, you should or you shouldn't yeah, be yeah, feeling right. that way. It's, you know, it's really important that you don't kind of judge people's experience and just acknowledge that I can see, yeah, I can understand that that is the way that you are experiencing this, you know. And, of course, the main sin is just never say, well, you should just pull yourself together. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because that's just so bad. Yeah, yeah. it's not 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 can you know yeah. not helpful. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alison, um, thanks for coming in today, and we've got to finish off with your um, three M's. And um, so, uh, what mistakes have you made in your life? So I reckon far? I m- make mistakes every day, Tom. <laughs> but. I think what I have learnt to do and, you know, I think it almost comes from my research background in that you you hit a lot of walls in research and you get a lot of rejection and you get a lot of um, very blunt feedback. <laughs> um, so I've always learnt to, I guess, see what I can learn from that mistake, you know, what I can do to actually change things moving forward. How can I respond to that? So I'm not afraid of, of making mistakes. It's I just think of it as, what, where can I take it to from here? What can I learn from it? Actually, the mistakes, to be honest, are often the best learning tool of all. Of course, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and lead to your masterpieces. So what are the masterpieces that have come out of your mistakes? Oh, my, ma- my masterpieces. Um, I think in terms of, in, in terms of my, personally, um, I'd say my kids are yeah. my masterpieces. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a work in progress, if you think of it in terms of an art piece. Yeah. <laughs> Social um, experiment, I yeah, used to call them. something like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I to me, I love watching them grow and blossom. And yeah, I've got two teenage girls, and so it's really wonderful to see them grow into intelligent, um, you know, emotionally intuitive young yeah. women. That's that's good time. Yeah, fantastic. And, and professionally, um, I think my masterpieces are all things that are, I've. They're not my own masterpieces. I would say. They're things that I have worked on with other people, particularly our farming community members. Um, I love to see people empowered 
to actually help create resources um, and you know to to watch them watch them fly I think that's that's my they're my professional masterpieces <laughs> and um, perhaps some mentors that have given you some guidance I'm a huge way. one for mentoring um, right. I, I you know kind of suck inspiration and knowledge from a lot of people I've come to my role in a very kind of non-traditional way um, you know not coming up through the kind of the academic food chain I've just really absorbed lots of knowledge so people like Sue Brumby who mm -hmm. um, was the director of the National Centre for Farmer Health before me um, she was a and continues to be um, a great mentor for me um, I've also been part of um, like more organised more structured mentoring programs um, so I was part of a um, a research, a suicide prevention research mentoring program. So Nick, uh, Professor Nicholas Proctor from the University of South Australia has been a great mentor through that program for me. Uh, so I'm I'm always connecting with people and like farmers that I've worked with. I see them them as being mentors to me as well. I get a lot of growth from connecting with with farmers, hearing their stories, hearing their experiences. So where do the listeners? go to to, fi to find out and engage in um, Steering Straight? Well, they can either um, contact the centre for a hard copy of the Managing Stress on the Farm booklet in which the Steering Straight plan is contained or they can jump on our Farmer Health website. Uh, so it's www.farmerhealth.org.au well, uh, and then just search for Steering Straight. And, and of course we can it. put all those links up on the podcast right. and uh, thank you very much Alison I've really enjoyed having a chat and um, you're doing a wonderful job for Australian farmers or Victorian farmers thank you very much thanks Tom it's been a pleasure to be here the Raw Ag podcast is a collaboration between Tamani Angus and the Ace Radio Network if you're enjoying the Raw Ag podcast make sure you leave a review or rate us on your favourite podcast app